one of the reasons I focus a lot on pregnancy and postpartum is because it is such a huge physical transformation. And we go through that. And then after birth, you know, such wonderful care is given to the baby. And I remember going to all of these pediatric appointments for my child while I was struggling with breastfeeding and I was, you know, crying in closets and calling friends. And I was like, there was like nobody there for me. And I didn't even know who to call if there was a problem or, you know, with the problems I had, I was like, who do I call? And I'm in the medical field. And so I just thought like, why is this so difficult for us to get the support we need? Hi, I'm Bridget Garsh, co-founder of Neighbor Schools and your host for Work Like a Mother a podcast dedicated to real conversations with incredible women juggling work, life, and motherhood. Today, I'm excited to sit down with Sarah Reardon, a pelvic health physical therapist and founder of The Vagina Whisperer. When my fertility doctor suggested I see a pelvic floor physical therapist, I didn't even know what pelvic floor muscles were or why they mattered so much. But once I got pregnant, I became intimately aware of my pelvic floor and the stress our bodies go through during pregnancy, labor, the first poop after giving birth, and those first weeks with a tiny newborn. So I was shocked when my six-week check-in with my OB lasted all of 15 minutes, and I was told I could return to all, quote, normal activity. I didn't quite understand what that meant or how that was even possible. I was still bleeding. My hemorrhoids made it painful to poop. I struggled to lift Hudson in his car seat because my core was weak from diastasis and my scar tissue from tearing during delivery made sex the farthest thing from my mind. But I didn't know anything different. So I left thinking this just must be how it is. Fortunately, my pelvic floor PT was there to not only help my body recover, but she also treated me with the kindness and care and genuine interest in my well-being that I needed. With her help, I had the strength to better adjust to my new role as a mom. So it's with a profound appreciation and respect for everything that pelvic floor physical therapists do that I'm so glad to bring you this conversation with Sarah Reardon today. As soon as she started her physical therapy program, Sarah knew that she wanted to focus on the pelvic floor. At first, she was mostly curious to learn more about her own body, but curiosity turned into passion as soon as she became a mom. Like so many of us, Sarah was surprised and disappointed to learn how moms are treated by the healthcare system during postpartum care. Today, she's a leading voice on pelvic floor issues and runs her own PT center in New Orleans dedicated to helping women through pregnancy and postpartum. Sarah started the Vagina Whisperer, an online community to normalize pelvic floor issues that often make women feel isolated, uncomfortable, and alone. It's all part of her personal mission to reimagine postpartum care one mom at a time. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here with you this afternoon and to be spending time with you and welcoming you to work like a mother. Thank you so much, Bridget. I'm excited. And to be totally honest with you, I had never 
heard the term pelvic floor until um, my husband and I were seeing a fertility doctor and she actually suggested I see a pelvic floor physical therapist. And I had to immediately go home and start researching and find out more because it was all so new to me, as I'm sure it's new to a lot of women. Can you share a little bit about the basics and, and the work that you do now? Sure. And I love hearing that your physician recommended that you come because it's often, you know, moms, um, women, all genders are finding us just through hearing about it from another friend or, you know, a Facebook group or, um, you know, after they're having issues and they're Googling late at night. So I love to hear that medical professionals are bringing this into the, their care of their clients. So I am trained as a physical therapist. I received my undergraduate degree and then went on to graduate school and got a physical therapy doctorate. And, you know, most often we go into doing sports physical therapy or working with kids or in a nursing facility, but I was attracted to doing women's health. Um, I think more because of being a woman, I thought it was pretty fascinating to just understand my own body. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I didn't know there was this type of physical therapy. And it's mainly working with issues in the pelvic region, which means anything that involves like pooping issues, um, urinary issues, sexual health issues, and then pregnancy and birth. Um, and then also, you know, even thinking about earlier seasons of life, menstruation and, you know, mm -hmm. intercourse, and then later in life, menopausal changes and hormonal changes. So, you know, we all have pelvic floors and we often don't realize that there is a pelvic floor until we are maybe experiencing symptoms where something's wrong. And so it's all I've done in my physical therapy career for 14 years is this type of work. And is it something that when you were in school and studying it, is it something that all physical therapists are aware of and spend time focusing on? Or was it that you really then had to say, this is my specialty and do a lot of additional classes? A little bit of both. So I was fortunate enough to have a professor who was a women's health and pelvic health physical therapist where she you know, did a few lectures on it. And then I just said, oh, I'm really interested in this. And then sought out, you know, a, um, a clinical rotation in it and sought out kind of more clinical education and, and really decided to go down this path before a lot of us even really knew it was a path we could take. I think now it's much more, there's much more awareness in physical therapy programs about, hey, this is out there, but it's not a big chunk of our curriculum, which is wild because this is such an important part of the body. We, we all pee and poop and, you know, all, you know, um, folks, you know, may have menstruation or periods or, you know, want to give birth. Um, and so I, I just find it fascinating that we don't talk about it that often, mm -hmm. but I really see this changing even over the past five years. I really see it changing. I'm um, just with social media and mom groups and all the awareness that's being raised. Well, I think so much of it too is all those things that you were mentioning in many ways, there's there's a stigma around them, right? Like it's embarrassing to talk about those things and you don't even know, I think as a mom um, after birth, if that's just normal and what is supposed to happen and if you should just quote unquote, like deal with it as well. So there's there seems to be such a, a stigma, but I remember my physical therapist explaining to me in like one of our very early sessions, which was just almost like a basic anatomy lesson of, you know, these are your, the different muscles and this is what they're doing and how they're supporting all of your internal organs. And I thought, 
Number one, how did I not know this? And number two, why isn't this more talked about? Because it's so critical to to health and well-being overall, as you were just saying. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why there is, it's kind of mystical because we don't talk about it. I mean, if we think back to our high school sexual education classes, it's like, this is how babies are made, but nobody talks about the just basic anatomy of it. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, all of the anatomy and physiology classes I took, it wasn't until I specialized in this part of physical therapy that I found out kind of what's really going on down there. So I think what was so fascinating to me as well, which is why I really started being more active on social media. It was, you know, I was seeing individuals, I see individuals of all genders, but, you know, moms specifically and women specifically who were coming in saying, I have this problem with pain with sex, or I'm leaking urine when I exercise, or my cesarean scar hurts. And they felt like they were so alone, but then the next patient would come in and say the same thing and feel the same way. And so I thought, so many people are experiencing this and they just don't know that other people are too. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really been amazing to feel seen, to know that you're not alone, but then also to know like, do I just deal with this or do I go seek help? And there's something that can actually be done, be done about it. As you think about the women that you've seen, and if you think about those like core moments around pregnancy and birth, what is a piece of advice or what's something you wish women who were pregnant knew? um, And what's something you wish women who are in, you know, postpartum, what they knew? Great. So I think for pregnancy, and I can even say this for myself, having gone through it twice, is that I am a big fan of being proactive in preparing for birth. And one of the reasons for that is, one, if we don't even know that we have muscles down there, we don't even realize that they play a role in vaginal birth and cesarean birth, how do we know how to manage it? You know, how do we know what to do when it's, you know, game time? Mm -hmm. If no one's ever taught us, I always say like, how do we, how are we expected to run a marathon if nobody's ever taught us to walk? And so we see a lot of women in our clinic here in New Orleans, and we work with them some online as well, if they're not local, on just teaching them, like, how do you breathe when you give birth? What does it feel like to push? And are you pushing? Or are you tightening? What are different options for pushing? You know, what are different things you can do during labor to keep your pelvis loose and help baby kind of come on down the birth canal? I mean, these are muscles and bones like any other part of your body. And so I think if we can help women feel empowered and informed going into that process, then they can feel like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing here a little bit versus knowing nothing at all. Um, And then with regards to postpartum, everybody is different. And I hate to give this blanket advice of like, take it slow. But I think that for me, that was one of the hardest things to do was I wanted to get back to seeing my friends. I wanted to start exercising again. And I just felt like I was you know, kind of grasping for these pieces of what felt like my old life, but I wasn't ready for those. I mean, I tried to run too fast and was trying to like be too busy and see all my friends to meet my baby, but I was just completely worn out physically, emotionally. So, you know, I do encourage people to take it slow, um, to check in with the pelvic floor therapist. We usually see people around four to six weeks postpartum, but then also if something is bothering you, then it's a problem. Like you may think like, oh, it's just a little bit of leaking when I cough. But if it bothers you, then it's worth getting help for. Or like, you know, sex isn't like totally painful, but it's just a little bit in this position. If it bothers you, then get help. Like Mm -hmm. when things start affecting your quality of life, then I think that they're worthy of getting checked out. 
I loved your TED talk around rethinking postpartum specifically. Can you tell me a little bit about why you think our society needs to rethink postpartum care and what you think it should look like? These are big questions, and (laughs) I think it needs to look different than it does now. Um, So, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that there is just such little support for all moms Mm -hmm. postpartum. Um, When it comes to healthcare, we have maybe one check-in that research is showing that, you know, 40% of moms don't even attend. And um, moms are going back to work within weeks of giving birth when they are still healing. Um, A lot of moms, including myself, drop out of the workforce within the first two years or cut back their hours. And so, you know, we, a big part of it to me, honestly, I think is paid maternity leave. Like we don't have financial support to help us stay home and heal and um, physically, emotionally, and then also, you know, to be with our child. And they were just kind of expected to go back to this normal level of function when we are completely healing and impaired. And so, um, you know, people have knee surgery and they get more time off Mm -hmm. of work than we do after giving birth. And so that just kind of blows my mind. Um, But, you know, I think that one of the reasons I focus a lot on pregnancy and postpartum is because it is such a huge physical transformation. And we go through that. And then after birth, you know, such wonderful care is given to the baby. And I remember going to all of these pediatric appointments for my child while I was struggling with breastfeeding and I was, you know, crying in closets and calling friends. And I was like, there was like nobody there for me. And I didn't even know who to call if there was a problem or, you know, with the problems I had, I was like, who do I call? And I'm in the medical field. And so I just thought like, why is this so difficult for us to get the support we need? So I don't know what it exactly would look like, but I think that there are some places to start with, you know, increasing the amount mm-hmm. of visits that we have, check-ins with mom, especially with telehealth available, and then giving more time off so that moms can, um, you know, be supported and return to work if they need to. I remember having no idea what to expect at that six-week appointment, but I thought it was going to be something really intensive because up until then you have no other appointments, right? You've just been home with the baby and I remember going in and it was probably, I don't even know, five, 10 minutes for that six week appointment. And it was like a very cursory, you know, oh, how are you doing? How, how are things? Oh, okay. Like, yep. You look good. Go off, be on your way, return to normal, everything. And I thought, well, I don't wait, what? Like, I feel like I left and I didn't even know fully what happened. Cause I thought that's it. That's yeah. all that, that's all that there is. Yeah. And that really is all that there is, you know, which is unfortunate. And I think that, um, and then you're given this thumbs up to go back to your life of exercise or sexual activity or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And then when you go back to those things, if there's problems, there's no checkup after that. And so that's where we really see a lot, um, you know, which is wonderful. A lot of people coming to physical therapy saying, I went back to sex and it was painful and I want help or my cesarean scar is still bothering me. And I, you know, what can I do about it? Or I'm trying to exercise and I've got this abdominal separation or heaviness in my vagina. Where do I start? What am I doing wrong? So just, you know, I really love that we are being so much more proactive um, Mm -hmm. as individuals about taking care of ourselves. But, you know, I think it's no secret that our medical system needs a bit of an overhaul (laughs) to better support moms. 
Yeah, it wasn't for me, it wasn't um, my OB who really was helping me through my postpartum period. It was my pelvic floor physical therapist. She was the one who realized, and I'm going to say this so wrong, um, but diastasis, is that how you say it? That's correct. Diastasis recti. Yes. So she was the one who discovered that and like helped me work through it. She was the one who helped me through my challenges postpartum. So it wasn't, I was so grateful to be able to have her support. And it was really because I had started seeing her before I was even pregnant, um, that she was able to really guide me. You touched on this a little bit a minute ago, um, about sort of your own experience in pregnancy and postpartum being a medical professional, but can you talk a little bit more about that? How did being a PT specifically like affect your own experience through childbirth and postpartum? So one of the things that I did was I was proactive. So I I actually looked to the research and I said, you know, if I really, if I'm trying to minimize the risk of a cesarean birth, what can I do to help make sure I have a, you know, or try to, you know, in the hopes that I'm doing everything to have a vaginal birth. And I, I hired a doula and, you know, I knew pelvic floor therapy. So I kind of knew how to push and all that stuff. Um, I labored at home for a long time, probably too long because we were like one of those people racing to the hospital in the middle of the night, like running the red lights. Um, and I, you know, I, I did acupuncture and, um, I, you know, I went with a medical provider in a hospital that was supportive of less intervention. So at 21 weeks, I remember with my first pregnancy asking my OB, hey, how do you feel about a doula and an unmedicated birth? And she's like, I feel like doulas just get in the way. And most people try for a medicated birth, but it just doesn't happen that often. And I was like, okay. And so I switched and I found a medical provider that aligned with what I wanted. And if it didn't work out that way, okay. You know, I can, things happen and that just is life and our bodies and nature. But I at least wanted to think, did I do all of the things that I could have done? Um, and, and also it's just luck. It's just genetics. You know, it's who knows why things kind of go a certain way. But I do feel like I had a lot of complimentary um, health professionals to help support me. And now, as I say that, I'm also very aware that I am in a position of privilege that I was able to afford those things because doulas are not covered by most insurances in any state. Um, acupuncture was not covered by insurance in in, the, in my state. And so these are things that not everyone has access to. And, and, and even for physical therapy, right now, my clinic is out of network with insurances. So people cannot necessarily don't have the resources to be able to see that. So it's the, the point is, is that I think that even if you do all of those things, it still comes at an expense that not everyone is able to have. So, um, you know, I, I did have two unmedicated births and my recoveries were, were really good on the physical side, but breastfeeding really difficult for me. Um, the toll in my marriage, really difficult for me, <laughs> you know, emotionally really difficult. So even though you can do as much as you can to prepare for one thing, um, I think there's always things that will come up that we just don't and can't always prepare for. I'm glad that you touched upon the impact on your marriage, because I think that's another thing that often doesn't get talked about is the stress that you're under while you're trying to heal, figure out your new role, the stress it puts on your relationship with your partner. I know that you 
um, shared an, a very personal Instagram post around your decision to not have a third child. And you talked about how one of the key pieces and that was thinking about your, your marriage. Um, what helped get you through? How did you work through those challenging moments with your partner? You know, I think it's easy to look back in retrospect and say like, oh, we did this and A, B, and C and it worked. But I mean, when we are, were in the thick of it, it was not pleasant. I mean, we fought a lot. We were both exhausted. My husband was traveling for work. He's actually traveled our entire marriage. This is the year of the pandemic is the only year of our marriage he's been home. So I was single parenting during the week, solo parenting, since my kid was two weeks old. And so it was hard. And I will say that resentment was the most <laughs> most common emotion that was evoked during those times. I think once we made it past the first year of both you know, both years with our young children, um, things got better. We were resting better. We were, you know, just had our feet under us a little, but we still go through difficult times. I mean, I'm a fan of therapy. We were in marital therapy before we were married. We were in marital therapy after we were married and after we had kids. And then I also have my own therapist who I see on occasion. So having those resources, I think was invaluable, um, to me, um, having a group of friends who I could actually call and be like, this is what's going on. And for them to be like, oh, me too. It just helped me feel like, okay, this is not just me whose marriage is struggling because you don't see that on social media. Right. And, you know, I also have a partner who was very willing to work on it. I mean, he wasn't saying, nope, deal with it yourself. Like he was very willing to go to therapy, very willing to, to work on it. And so when we, I would love a third child, but the reality of it is we've hit a really nice sweet spot in our life right now. And I don't know if I'm in a place or I do know I'm in a place that I don't, um, I don't want to rock that. So I, we've kind of come to peace with where we are, which is also a good feeling. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. If you think back to before you had children, what advice would you give to your pre-mom self? It's so funny. I was thinking about this today as I looked in the mirror because my body is so different. <laughs> I was like, I wish I would have been kinder to my 20-something-year-old body. Um, and that's probably one of them. I mean, your body changes a lot when you're pregnant, postpartum. And the reality of it is I just don't have the time or energy or with the time and energy I have, I don't want to obsess about my workouts or the way that my body looks. I just don't. And so... Um, I wish that I would have been kinder to my physical body and not scrutinized every roll and wrinkle and spot on my face or, you know, just really not have taken it for granted. Um, and, you know, the other thing is I think that recognizing that your life will change, like the decision to have children will be one of the probably the biggest decision that you have that you ever make and that there is no going back to normal like take the pressure off yourself to even think that that will happen because your whole life will be changed forever and you'll feel like you lose some things you lose pieces of yourself you may lose old friendships you may have a change in a relationship or change a job but you will also gain so much i mean the love that i have for my kids literally just can bring me to tears because I love them more than I could have ever imagined loving anybody more than my partner. And my husband and I always joke, we're like, if a train's coming, like you take the kids and put me in front of it because both of us would go for our kids. We just, we love them so much and it's hard and it's grueling, but it's also just incredibly special. And like 
the best thing that's ever happened in my life. I just saw this incredible post and I have no idea. I can't even like give credit where credit is due. Um, that said, love yourself like you love your children. And I thought, what an incredible sentiment because that love that you feel for your children is so visceral and so real and you know what that feels like. And then to honestly reflect on it and think, do I have that same love and care for myself? That it, it, stopped, it was so simple, but it just stopped me in my tracks and really made me think, think hard about it. Yeah, that's um, incredible to hear. And as you say that, I can say, no, I don't love myself the way that I love my children. And I'm really hard on myself. And I feel a lot of guilt and a lot of pressure. And that's just, it's a really, um, that's something to kind of really take in and think about how we can do a better job at that um, and just really love ourselves. And I think that that's part of it. I mean, we love these little beings so much, but we, it's also consuming and we can feel lost in it. And, um, you know, I, there are times where I've had to be like, I do have to take better care of myself. I need to shut the door to a screaming kid so that I can take a shower or get a workout in, or, you know, go on a date with my partner and leave them with a sitter or whatever it is. And really, um, do what, what I need to do at that time to kind of take care of me. You're, you're leading into my next question so beautifully, which is you manage this incredible Instagram handle with so many resources and a whole suite of really online services for people who aren't in New Orleans and cannot access you, you know, in person, you have an in-person practice, you have two young children. How do you juggle it all? What? How do you make it work? Well, right now, Bridget, like I said, I'm locked in my bedroom and they're watching Cars the movie. <laughs> so, Which one? One, two, or three? <laughs> we only aren't one yet because okay. of the ratings from two and three. But um, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, I think it's literally just day by day. I mean, I am really fortunate to have a supportive partner who financially has supported me when I was trying to get my clinic on the ground who, um, you know, I is cool with me posting selfies of me pooping on the internet, (laughs) but he is, um, he's really supportive and, and he'll cover the kids when I, when he can. Um, I have a great family who is just kind of encouraging me in the background and giving me tips and things like that. But more than anything, I mean, I think what drives me more than, then everything is just really helping the people that I think need help. I mean, it's getting messages in my direct messages that say like, thank you so much. I had no idea this existed or Mm -hmm. I felt seen today or my marriage was crumbling and I finally found resources for painful sex or, you know, um, thank you for putting out there how I was feeling. And so Instagram is like a journal for me some days. It's really me spilling out how I'm feeling. And then I realize that there are so many other people that feel the same way. But I mean, I struggle like everybody else. I feel like I always need to be doing more and I probably neglect my kids at times when I need to be more present with them. And, you know, I've worked too many late nights instead of getting rest and missing and I've missed workouts. And so it's a juggle like everything, but I feel lucky that I have a career path and a profession I love because a lot of people don't have that. And I do. And so I just, um, for now, this is, I've been really lucky and, you know, I, um, 
yeah, I mean, I do work hard, but I also am just really fortunate as well. Well, thank you, Sarah. It has been an absolute joy talking to you. And I so appreciate your honesty, your openness, and the work that you do really every day um, to support women's health uh, through all stages, really, and not just through motherhood, because I know that you also do a lot of work really to help um, all pelvic floor issues. We do. Thank you, Bridget. And I'm, you know, I'm thrilled that we were able to do this and that all of our kids stayed where they need to be during our 30 minute call. <laughs> Let's hope this doesn't mean that we're in for like a horrible evening ahead, right? Let's hope we're on a path that this just continues this smooth sailing. And if I think motherhood teaches you anything, right? It's like to really cherish what I think of almost as micro moments. Like it could be two minutes where you have the ability to breathe, or it could be a half hour where you have the ability to have a fantastic conversation and to really cherish those because the next two minutes could end in disaster, like total disaster. So we will take this 30 minutes and love that. So great point. Yes. Thank you so much, Sarah. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. Bye, Bridget. Bye. Work Like a Mother is produced by Neighbor Schools. Neighbor Schools is a startup in Boston that I co-founded in 2018 to help parents find daycare. As a first-time parent, finding childcare can feel scary and intimidating. At Neighbor Schools, we help you find daycare you'll feel really good about so you can go back to work with the peace of mind that your little one is getting the socialization, support, and stimulation they need to learn and grow. We've helped thousands of moms and dads figure out the daycare search. Check us out at neighborschools.com. And when you get in touch, mention that you discovered us on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. We'll see you next time.